again. It's our ideal. Many people think that the best way to escape war is to dwell upon its horror. In the end, it's our ideal. Many people think that the best way to escape war is to dwell upon its horror. Hi, this is Monique McNeil, and you're locked in to Unity Radio, WTY 97.9 FM. Are you stuck in a dead-end job, ready to have a career you enjoy? Vista College online campus gives you the opportunity to get a degree from a nationally accredited college in some of the most in-demand career fields from the comfort of your own home. Programs are designed for busy adults. Many can be completed in as little as 12 months. And associate's degrees can be finished in less than 22 months. Business, healthcare, IT, criminal justice, and more are just a click away. If you have credits from other colleges, they may transfer towards your online degree at Vista College. Taking classes online is perfect for adults trying to balance work, family, and other commitments. It gives you the freedom to design your schedule around your life. Call now to find out how to get started. See if you qualify for financial aid and get a better life. Call now, 800-880-5532. 800-880-5532. Learn more, earn more. Call 800-880-5532. Stated completion dates are based on successful full-time enrollment. Vista College Online Campus is accredited by the Accrediting Commission of Career Schools and Colleges. Do you have $10,000 or more in outstanding federal student loans? You may qualify to have your entire student loan forgiven with one free call. That's right. If you're a teacher, police officer, firefighter, or work for a nonprofit, federal programs are still available to have your entire student loan forgiven. Graduate Service Center wants to give you free information on all the programs that can help. The sooner you can call, the faster you can get relief. Get the maximum loan forgiveness, loan reduction, or consolidation available. Plus, find out in the first free call what you qualify for. A loan forgiveness specialist is standing by to answer all of your questions for free. Stop worrying about student loan payments. If you have $10,000 or more in federal student loans, this information could change your life. Call 800-579-4409. 800-579-4409. Wipe out your federal student loan debt. Find out how. Call 800-579-4409. Thank you for tuning in to Up Close with Monique McNeil. I'm your host, Monique McNeil. And today I am on the line with Sharika Buckley and her daughter. And uh, we're going to talk about her daughter, Anaya Walker, who unfortunately um, was found back in May, in this past May in 2020. And unfortunately, this case has still have not been solved. And I want to use this platform to bring awareness to what what is happening with Anaya. And um, I want to thank you so much, Sharika, for being on the line with us today. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, so as I was telling our guest, uh, Anaya Walker, who is uh, your daughter, um, tell us about Anaya. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Anaya Walker, um, she was my daughter. Um, she was 16 years old at the time that she was murdered. Um, but um, we're talking about a very smart, um, intellectual, intelligent girl um, who mm. I, I received her journals and I knew it in advance, but she was studying DNA mutations in school. Wow. She was um, 
very much um, wanting to be either an actress or, and so she's so young and ambitious, or wanting to be in the healthcare field as like an EMT or a phlebotomist. Um, my daughter had very high aspirations. Um, I think when I look back um, at some of Anaya's behavior, I think she was really bored um, in, in normal public school and she wasn't being really challenged a lot, but she was very intelligent. Um, musically inclined she comes from a music musical family um her father was a drum african drum instructor at a music academy so anaya learned how to play the piano at a young age along with her sister they both um, were introduced to music art um so you know very funny very outgoing anaya loves to tell jokes um and she was just very much um she was so captivated by her older sister. Um, she looked up her, and, you know, they were just two peas in the pot. So, a really good person. Um, right. Very, initially, very quiet, very to herself. Um, but, you know, when she did make friends, she, she, she kept them around, and she, she, she loved, she, I can't say this enough about how much she loved her sister wanted to be around her, wanted, you know, role model after her. Right. So that was kind of my, my daughter in a nutshell. Um, prior to her experiences um, with child protection services and um, being outside of our home. Right, right. And as from what I understand, she was in the department's care at the time of, of her disappearance. Is that correct? That is correct. Um, Anaya, when Anaya turned 13, um, she started to experience some bully experiences in school. Uh, we lived in a neighborhood that was predominantly um, Hispanic and um, Caucasian, mm-hmm. uh, really upper class Caucasian um, area in um, Phoenix, Arizona, and she went to Paradise Valley School District. Um, and so the, the demographics of the school, my daughter was obviously a minority. Uh, both of my children had attended the school that she was going to. Um, Anaya really embraced her natural hair. When she got to middle school, um, she really embraced, you know, just the natural herself. And she always wore her hair in like an Afro puff. And Anaya became um, the butt of jokes and, the, and, and racism and um, mm. being targeted and bullying. Right. Um, she had, I, I had, Two teachers in one day um, contact me from separate classes that my daughter had been targeted um, in racial and called racial slurs at the school. When my oldest daughter attended school, I knew about the demographics. Um, but within in Phoenix, Arizona, children don't really have a whole lot of options for open enrollment um, unless their parents are going to transport them. And at the time, I couldn't afford to transport my children to school with my work schedule. Right. It just wasn't something I could do. So mm-hmm. I really didn't have a choice but to attend the school that was assigned in our neighborhood. And that, and it, was, it just so happened to be this, this school. And I talked to the school administrators and the teachers, mm-hmm. and, you know, Anaya, and even students and their parents sometime about the racial tension, the slurs and the behavior. And I think by the middle of that year, my daughter was just pretty much fed up. Um, she had begun to um, exhibit signs of just being 
frustrated. Mm-hmm. She had to learn to exhibit right. um, signs of just protecting herself, but also she was very, um, Anaya had pretty much taken on a, a, a characteristic of, I'm not going to be bullied. I'm going to protect myself and I'm going to like protect my friends and I'm not going to take any more stuff. So it became like an a attitude of aggression. Um, right. After a while. And so I began to get calls from the school um, that there was some conduct behavior, some problems in the classroom, just with um, communication with the teachers, communication with other students. Um, I noticed that she wasn't really being on the bullying side anymore. She, she didn't change into being a bully, but she became very aggressive. So if someone said something to Anaya that was wrong, Anaya would hit or Anaya would um you know, it would it would get very, it would go very, um, it would go very left. Um, and so I think that all of the treatment, as I look back, mm-hmm. that it was just a defense mechanism for her, um, just trying to survive in that environment, right, um, where you just put on all of these defense mechanisms because you're constantly being attacked. Um Anaya, I didn't really understand what was going on. She there was a lot of um, deceit regarding her schoolwork. Um, I didn't understand, you know, there was a lot of failing at the grades, and I thought it attributed, of course, to the environment, but I thought that Anaya, she really was adamant about wanting to live with her father. And she and I had discussed her going to reside with her father when she became a high school. And at this time, she was in, in seventh grade. Mm-hmm. And so as the seventh grade year ended and eighth grade year starts before it began, Anaya and her father and I, um, he's my ex-husband. He had um, parental um, visitation that allowed him time with Anaya during summer break and during all of the times that children are out of school. So like spring break, Mm -hmm. Christmas break. All those vacations. And so, yeah, when summertime came, her father and I had a conversation about Anaya's behavior in school and how things were going. And and he and I decided that since he was having it kind of rough, um, that, that I would just pull Anaya out prior to school ending, like a week before school ended. Mm-hmm. I pulled her out, um, and I, I let her know. Her father and I discussed her coming there for the summer, and we were just going to see how the summer went. And as the summer went on, we decided that maybe she should try school there. Maybe, you know, um, instead of going there freshman year, it was eighth grade, maybe we can go ahead and give it a try now and just see how her having the, the, the male balance and the father, father figure balance in her life now would, would start to help her throughout the puberty stages and just some changes. We just wanted to see if it would, would help her with her behavior and a change in the environment as well. Because obviously I still live in the same neighborhood and she was going to have the same issues probably the following year in school. Right. So, um, change of scenery. Her father resided in San Diego, California, and I went there just to stay with him for the summer. And this was summer of 2017. Um, and seven months later, um, her father pretty much decided that a nice behavior had become very incorrigible and that, um, he didn't want to parent Anaya anymore. He decided that he felt like her behavior in his home with his current wife and his stepchild was volatile. Um, he felt that, um, he couldn't afford to have her around because of behaviors and um, conduct mm-hmm. 
And and for me as a parent, I said, look, I understand kind of what you're going through. I've I've experienced some of this behavior, the behaviors you're you're, you're referring to. Um, but I I kept going. I you know it's, let's give your your home a little more time. She doesn't really have a school she can come back to in our neighborhood. You know there were some issues there. Can you at least try to keep her throughout the school year? And he and I went back and forth about this, like so for, for about two months before um, actually he just decided one day in November to call me and say, hey, I'm bringing her. She, she can't stay here another day. And I said to him, I had a death in my family. My grandmother had passed on my father's side. I said, I'm on my way out of, out of town in the airport. You absolutely have to keep the daughter. I am, I'm leaving. You know, you, you can't, she's not a package. You can't just return the sender. You can't decide there's behavior I don't want to deal with. There's issues that I don't want to deal with. And after this was like six months into him having her. Right. This is what he, the decision he wanted to make was to send her back home. And mind you, we have been discussing Anaya living with him for years. Um, she was going to live with him. And in, in, when she turned a um, freshman student, she was going to spend the rest of her high school years with him. So I was very taken back by his, you know, his all of a sudden decision to change his mind and recount everything we had discussed. And he also understood that she was enrolled in school in San Diego. It wasn't just, you know, I, I wasn't an advocate of, of taking my children out of the school in the middle of school year, mm-hmm. making those types of changes. Um, and this was November. So December came. And the winter break came and he goes, is Anaya coming with you for winter break? And I said, no, I think she's going to, you know, stay there. She just she just left in May. Um, you know, you guys will need to work through some things that she was going through in school. And out of the blue, Adrian called me and told me that he was on his way to Arizona and that he was going to bring Anaya back home. And I was very adamant. I said, well, you need to keep your daughter. I'm not going to be home. Mm-hmm. I didn't believe him. I actually didn't believe that he was going to come to Arizona, but he lived in San Diego for like a five-hour drive. And um, what ended up happening was he drove out to Phoenix. He came to my house. He knocked on the door. I wasn't home. I was actually in a casino in another city. And the casino that I was in doesn't get any type of service. They're on the reservation. And so there are parts of the hotel where you can't get any um, connection to your phone. Right. And so, unbeknownst to me, he had been calling, leaving voicemail messages that he was in Phoenix and that Anaya was, he and Anaya were at my house. And so, when I got out of the casino and I got home, there was a notification on my door, um, a card and a letter from Child Protection Services and the Phoenix Police Department that they had been there and that they had Anaya. And the, the documentation was signed by her father that he said he no longer wanted to parent, and it, it was a case of neglect. And so this was a Sunday. I'll never forget it. It was December 17th. The very following business day, I got in contact with everyone who was on my paperwork, on my door, to retrieve my daughter, you know, and to say, hey, you know, I'm here, I'm home. And when I contacted Child Protection Services, they set up a meeting for me to meet with them that day, and I and myself and a couple of representatives from their department and we had a meeting regarding the night's conduct and what led to her being dropped off with the department. And they explained to me they were at my home. Adrian contacted the police department um, and that um, a nice father 
said that he could not and he did not want to care as a child anymore and that he was not would not be returning back with her to San Diego. And he then signed her over and that they had, you know, custody of her at that oh, time. Geez. And so during the meeting, I explained to them that Anaya could come home um, and that why Anaya was, I explained to them why Anaya was with her father and that he had had his visitation and that mm-hmm. he did make attempts to bring her home. Um, but that he and I had discussed that this wasn't the proper time and that he couldn't do that. And that unbeknownst to me, that he was just going to drop her off for child protection. I, I told him that he had made remarks about doing this, but I never believed him. No one in a million years would actually believe that the other parental unit is going to sign their child over for child protection. But that's exactly what he did. Oh, and goodness. I was so heartbroken. And Anaya was heartbroken, and my daughter was heartbroken. I mean, we were very upset. But Anaya, being in a state of rebellion, and I'm sure being very hurt, during that meeting, said things like, well, I know I don't listen to my parents. I, um, I don't really care what anyone says. I'm going to do what I want. She was in a state of rebellion. Yep. She was in a state of, um, of, kind of kind of like denial, but also being very honest about her behavior. And all of the representatives that were there representing the department, they kind of looked at each other and they said, we're going to keep her based on conduct and behavior because she's a safety risk to herself and others. Her father had described very violent situations in his home. And I had described violent situations in my home as well um, that led to her being with her father. And so they felt like because of what she stated, she was a danger to herself and others. And so fast forward to um, going through all of the um, court uh, mitigations and having a proceedings regarding Anaya's reunification to come home, I was always very um, transparent with the department that Anaya can come home. Yep. Anaya has a home she can come to. We love Anaya. She comes from a good good parents, despite what her father, the decision her father made. I think he made it out of frustration. And it doesn't, it's not, it's not right. I was very upset with him is beyond the word. I still haven't forgiven him with this. Um, but I, I tried sure. to convince him that Anaya was, you know, take, well taken care of. And this wasn't a situation where the parents were, our rights were taken or um, we were neglectful to our child. Um, this is a situation where one parent got very frustrated with the behavior and the department, you know, he was under the impression I think that the department would step in and provide services to Anaya that he didn't provide, that he couldn't provide, such as counseling, um, such as trying to understand um, what the, why the behaviors um, were turning violent, you know, and trying to get to the root issue of the conduct in school. Um, right. But his whole, his whole process and way that he went about that I think was wrong. I'm definitely not an advocate of getting involved the state into your family's business. I'm definitely um, an advocate that families should work that out. And I think it's something that he and I were most certainly responsible for working out. Um, and I don't think that they should have ever been involved. And had I been home that day, and, and I would have never went through that. Right. Um, it was right. because of that meeting and what she said that they made that decision. And I regret it to this day. And my daughter just, her being so young and being so rebellious, I said to her, I said, Anaya, I need you to understand that these people, a lot of them, they do care about what happens to children. They, they, they care, but this is their job. 
you are another file on their desk. That's correct. They don't know you personally. That's correct. They don't know me personally. They don't know what's going on at home. They're going to leave and go home to their families after this meeting. And you're going somewhere with people that we don't know. They don't know you. You're going to be placed somewhere. And this is not going to be easy. You don't want this. I pleaded to my daughter there at that meeting to you know, be aware of what she was saying and, and be aware of the consequences behind what she was, you know, um, saying and what was going to happen. Because I've been in foster care um, and I've been in system and I understood what my daughter could go through. I understood what could happen. And so I never wanted that. I never wanted that for her. And I tried to make her very aware of um, the stipulations and what would end up happening. So four months later, um, my daughter ran away from the group home that she was placed into with another girl. And she and this girl, um, from my understanding, they met and befriended some people that they thought were young boys online. And they went to meet up with these men. These boys posed as men. These men posed as boys. Mm. Um, And these men actually um, sex trafficked the children. Um, and so it's are going into in the news. Um, um, these two men, the, the, the girls were, my daughter was 13 and the other girl was 14 years old at the time. Um, they were forced to, um, they were forced to sell their bodies in a hotel room. The men advertised them on back page and they beat them unless they made $250 a day or more. <laughs> they were forced to sell the men's drugs. And, um, the oldest girl, um, I guess they were able to get to a Circle K gas station. And the oldest girl asked the clerk to call the police and told them that her and my daughter had been being held by these men against their will and had been sex trafficked. So that's wow. how my daughter got out of that situation. Um, and it was something that I found out was a very, very traumatic for our entire family. Um, and and, it, and it, everything just spiraled from there. Um, it, it just got worse and worse and worse. Wow. So when she left, when she ran away from the first group home and until so she went to the gas station, how much time was that? How, how, how long was she with these individuals? Give her a second. Well, I believe that um, she was, gone from the group home, I believe it was like a week's time. Okay. Um, it's still unclear to me how long they had the girls right. because the girls were being drugged. Right. Um, and I've talked to the victim, the other victim that was with my daughter. Okay. And she, she explained to me that it was a couple of days. Um, based on the, the article and what the police said and police report, I don't believe the girls really know how long. But if I had to guess, I would say five days to a week at a time okay. that the girls may have been held by these men. Um, but being very um, incoherent um, because of drugs and um, things being pushed on and being beaten and being kept from going outdoors, I don't think that they had a really realistic idea of the time frame that they were there. Right. So they lost perception of time. 
due to the drugs and and probably the fear. You know, when we yeah. when we're going through things, it's that adrenaline rush that makes our mind kind of it, it's kind of like a defense mechanism without us realizing that it, it's, it's how we protect our minds is we don't remember, you know, specifically. Um, so they were able to get away and call police at the gas station. Mm-hmm. What happened from there? Right. So for my, I was notified. Um, I'll never forget. I was actually in the airport and I was actually notified of this whole incident in a very odd way. Oh. I was contacted by juvenile police department here in Phoenix. And I was told that they had arrested my daughter. And see, I, up until that point, I had known that my daughter was AWOL from the group home. Right. And that she couldn't be located. And so I got a call from juvenile and said, we arrested your daughter for burglary. And and I and I and I started crying. I broke down in the airport. I'm like, oh my God, is she okay? They're like, yes, she's fine, she's here. And they notified me. And so immediately got a hold of her caseworker. And she said, Yes, Anaya's been arrested for burglary. She went on to explain to me how and why Anaya was arrested. Um, and she said, apparently while Anaya was AWOL, she has she and another child were sex trafficked. And that's how I got the information that um, a day after her arrest, Anaya's arrest, that these two men were arrested. Oh, thank God. I guess it was a statement that she had provided while she was in jail outside of. No one had ever told me from DCS that this story broke and was in the news about them going to the Purple K gas station. I didn't know any of that. They didn't tell me any of that. It wasn't until Anaya got it that they told me and then I gave that statement, and then I found the news article. So they completely they omitted different. information, important information that you should have had as her mom. Right. They are very negligent in even providing me those details that Anaya had spoken to detectives and that this happened during her AWOL, her being AWOL from the group home. Um, I only found out, I think, because she was arrested. So, um, <laughs> I was very much taken back. I, I didn't know what was going on, and I really went into a mode of trying to find out who these men were, right. who the other girl was, who the other children were. And I, I wasn't able to ever find out until Anaya passed who the other girl was because they were juvenile. And it was information that's being held for their protection, of course, because they're, they're juvenile. So uh, I only knew what my daughter had confided in me about the case and her involvement and how she, you know, perceived, you know, her being held against her will and kidnapped by these men. She did not talk about it a lot. Um, she was very, she would talk about bits and pieces and she would just begin to break down and cry. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it wasn't something she was willing to share a lot of details with me about. Right. Um, and so everything that I found out had to come from, from, from DCS or have to come from police. And I'll say this as well. DCS basically operates in in a communication that if a child doesn't want the parent to know, they won't tell you. There were very many aspects of this story that my daughter didn't want me to know. Maybe because she was the same. Maybe because she was hurt. I don't know. But there were things that she did not want them to tell me, and they did not reveal to me. Because 
They said she had a right to her privacy. No, she don't got no rights because she's not an adult. Yeah, and at least a parent in a complete um, darkness. And I kept telling them, I said, look, if the whole plan is to reunify my daughter. And That's right. Home, she, you're still her mother. Know how to, we have to know how to help her. We have to know what she's going through. We have to know some of the things that she went through and how to assist her when she gets home. Mm-hmm. But the state of Arizona, they give so much um, control. And privacy. And some of it is understandable why, yet some of it is very asinine. Um, they told Anaya repeatedly, they told me repeatedly, well, Anaya can decide if she wants to come back home and live at home. And Anaya did not want to come home because my home was very structured. Um, she may even refer to it as strict, but Anaya was never allowed. Some of the freedoms that Anaya had in DCS, she did not have at home. And I'll give you an example. Mm-hmm. Anaya was 13 years old when she got into DCS custody. At 13 years old, I never allowed Anaya to have any social media. No Instagram, no Facebook, mm-hmm. no any of that. And she only had a phone. She had a phone that didn't have any apps. It wasn't a smartphone. It was a flip phone. And that was so she could make calls in case of an emergency. Because, you know, people don't have house phones anymore. But I never gave her a phone like the oldest of had. My children are four and a half years apart. So when Anaya was 13 and Anaya was 17. And of course, Nakai had access to a phone with, with apps and everything. Yeah, because she's I older. Both of my children, mm-hmm. Right. I give both of my children tablets. And kind of unbeknownst to me, I knew that the tablets had internet access, but I, I wasn't aware of all of the apps that these teenagers are downloading Mm-hmm. Well, I've never even heard of. I'm still learning now too, um, girl. I have a 13 year old, and I'm still learning <laughs> and, the TikTok and, and all this and, other. I girl, yeah, yes. and I had no idea. I knew that she had access to play games, to read books, to, mm-hmm. to go on the internet. Like it's a whole other world. Told her she could not have a, 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 any social media pages. I didn't think she had any. I didn't know and I even had an email address. Right, so, it's a whole other world out there, not technological. Well, World. Yeah. Yep. What ended up happening was her being in DCS, they allowed these children so many freedoms, access to cell phones, access to internet, that no one is monitoring because the adult to child ratio is crap to begin with. Mm-hmm. And no one is watching these children. No one Correct. They're just there to just, you know, make sure that they don't really hurt themselves for the most part. Right. But, but there's not structure. <laughs> doing on the internet, there's no structure. There's no, there's no monitoring what mm-hmm. their child anyone's child is going on the internet in, a, in a DCS custody. It's not, it's not happening. And so when my daughter and this girl got on the internet, no one was watching. No one was mm-hmm. monitoring. Does she have a Facebook? Does she have an Instagram? And Who is she talking to? All, what? Yep. And so being in this group home, what ended up happening, and I warned them, you know, look, part of my daughter's concept is that She's striving to be on the internet, striving to be on the phone, and we're not allowing that. And she's rebelling against us because of that. I told DCS that. Her father told them that. And when she got in the group home, of course, there's no monitoring of what Mm -hmm. these children are doing. Mm -hmm. Anaya, that was one of the first things she set up to do, was to get Facebook and Instagram and and all of these things that she couldn't do at home. Mm -hmm. And all of these things that her parents monitor her, her, uh, you know, usage on. 
And that's or, one of the major, the right. And that's one of the major issues with the Department of, of Children and Families is because they're so quick to take away our rights as parents. We're still the parents. Yeah. I still gave birth to this child. I still have the oversay. Mm-hmm. And so instead of giving her the choice because she's a child, what you should have mm-hmm. did is give me the resources that we need, whether it's therapy, whether it's this, but to integrate my child back home. Not to give her the yes, choice absolutely. as a child mm-hmm. to say she doesn't want to come home. And this is another, this, and this this, is, that's an issue that happens in a lot of, I've had a lot of interviews and that's one key issue that keeps coming up yes, is yeah. they infringe on our rights as parents to make decisions. And of course, a child at that age who's rebellion or feeling some t- certain type of way, they don't want to go someplace where there's rules and there's structure and there's accountability and there's, you yeah. know, all these things that happen in our homes. I'm sorry. I just had to, I have that. No, you are 100% correct. And what they did was they enabled Anaya. Yep. yep. Um, they enabled this, 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 they, they made it even more toxic situation mm-hmm. because of the, the structure that we did have in our homes. And the rules that we did have, whether her father and I were, were still married or not, we still very, very much agreed on many of the things mm-hmm. as far as what Anaya could and could not do or have access to. That's right. And that was one of them. We both thought she was too young to have any kind of social media. This is what we were trying to keep her away from. Yeah. The very thing that our daughter got in, in, involved in and got in captive. And everything that happened was our worst fears, and this is what we were trying to keep her away from. And I 100% blame the Department of Children and Family Services mm-hmm. because I had conversation with them, meeting after meeting, um, court date after court date, explicitly telling them, do not give my daughter access to a cell phone or access to a computer or tablet where she has all of this unmonitored access to the Internet. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, And so what ended up happening was, her and this girl, they got access, they met these guys, and that was the ultimate thing where no one was monitoring, no one could make sure. And of course, no one had an idea of what kind of accounts you even had out there. Um, and, and this is the thing about infringing on the parents' rights, and this is what I made known to them. Mm-hmm. I said, my daughter, my oldest daughter has a phone that I provided her. It's an AT&T phone, it's in my name. That means I have control as a parent. I can go in. I can monitor who she's been calling, who she's text messaging. I can turn the phone off. Absolutely. I didn't even trace the phone. But what CCS went so far as to do was, by Amaya's 15th birthday, they decided that Amaya had been through so many programs and did very well that they were going to allow her to have a cell phone, which I flipped the lid about when I found out that they allowed what? her to have a cell phone. because. Now, this comes after the sex trafficking. This comes after you all are aware that my daughter accessed the, the, the Internet. You all are aware nobody's monitoring it, but you still say, oh, and I, you're 15. You've made it through a couple of programs, and we think we just, we, their words to me was, we want to reward her with something. We feel as though she has completed programs and done such a good job that we want to reward her. And I said, that's not, the, that's not the reward. Don't give it to her. Don't do it. Right. And uh, two weeks later, my daughter ran away. And this is the enabling that, they, that they've that done. Um, yeah. And got caught up in sex trafficking again. And so um, for me as a parent, the part about them not being able to decide to come home, I said it's completely asinine. What just happened? 
we had a law change where 18 year olds couldn't even buy tobacco anymore. You had to be 21. I said, so why in the world can my 13 year old decide where she wants to live? But you have people that are 18, can't even, you know, buy tobacco. They can't, they're still restricted. They can't buy alcohol. But a 13 year old can decide where she wants to live. Right. And she has parents and a home and a family who love her and mm-hmm. want her and have the capability of protecting her and caring for her. Mm-hmm. It's just her coming down to that teenage rebellion of her mm-hmm. not wanting to, but it's not because she doesn't have it. It's just so backwards. Right. The whole system is just crazy. And it wasn't because of any type of neglect that they can identify that the parents are unable to care for the child. I right. want to reiterate that. And I want to make that very clear. Right. I never had my right to vote, remove, right. or taken at any time. Right. I have paperwork to show that a that a um an, an investigation was conducted on me for neglect, and they mm-hmm. found no substantiated claims, and that the claims were being substantiated because of the child's own behaviors. Right. So that means that they got involved because of Anaya's conduct and her being a threat to herself and others, and possibly feeling like, okay, well, we can provide some support what they're supposed to provide, our protection from herself and from others in the community, you know? So, but they didn't do that. Mm-hmm. Everything happened on their clock to my daughter that never happened at home. Right. She was sex, she was sex trafficked on their clock. She was introduced to drugs on their clock. And that's why she they kept raped that from on you. their clock. And she was murdered on the clock. Mm-hmm. All of this. And they are responsible and and I, I and I want I want the world to know and to understand this is what happens when we are have children and all all teenage children hit ages hit hit phases of rebellion. Yep. I don't care who they are. That's right. You know they all and we all handle it differently. I come from a profession of human resources, and I had to get someone involved to help me with my daughter because I couldn't afford for anyone to say I was abusing. Right, I couldn't afford for anyone to um, to say, okay, well, there's there's any form of child abuse because that would affect my career. Mm-hmm. That would affect anything that I had going on professionally and everything that I had worked for. And so it was very important for me to get her the help that she needed. Yep. But also for it to be supported, this is the child's behavior. This is what's going on in the home. It's not the parents, and I and I was successful in doing that. But it also they hindered our ability to parent. Oh, they hindered I, our ability to parent with yeah. their involvement and they did not provide, they don't help with providing any structure and they definitely didn't help reunify her at home because they set the stage. They told me many times, they asked me, they said, Miss Ryan, if the, can this, they said, can Anaya go to live with any of your family, your mom, your, your friends, your family, like, do you have anyone else she can go live with? Me being a parent, I said, look, Anaya has some conduct and behaviors that I don't feel is appropriate to pull off on push off to another person. You wanna know can she live with my mom? My mom is elderly. You know, Anaya has, you know, lashed out violently. That's something my mom can't handle. They looked at an aunt on her dad's side. The aunt doesn't have any children. And I told them, I think that's very unfair to ask the aunt who doesn't have any children to now try to parent a child who's having conduct behaviors and issues. That's not fair to her. Right. So I wasn't in agreement with that. And neither was her father. When the department came to us and they asked us, asked us to they place her with any other family, 
that was our response to them. We, she needs to come either here or there, which is her father. And I'm going to tell you, even though her father signed her over, they actually gave him the opportunity to get her back. Because Anaya said, I want to go back to live with my dad. Now, this is my daughter understanding that my father signed me over to child protection because of my behaviors, but she also felt, I think, very guilty. I think she wanted to reconcile her relationship with her father, mm-hmm. so she told the department, I want to go back with my father. They sent interstate compact paperwork for him to complete for her to come back, and he rejected it. He said, no, I don't believe Anaya's behaviors have changed, and I don't want her to come back into the home. And that basically, it really hurt my daughter. It put her, it put her oh, I'm sure in it a did. space where she felt even more rejected by him. Um, and she kept longing for what she couldn't have, which was to go back and be in California and live with him. Um, and so she just, she just always communicated that to the department. No, I don't want to go back home with my mom. Her rules are too structured. It's too to say, well, I think that's a bunch of BS because I have some of the same rules that you have. I think Anaya just wants to get out of California to be close to certain associates. Hi, this is Monique McNeil, and you're locked in to Unity Radio, WTY 97.9 FM. Thank you all for tuning in to Up Close with Monique McNeil. Um, I'm on the line here with Sharika... Buckley, she was speaking with us about uh, the disappearance of her daughter, Anaya Walker. Um, Anaya was unfortunately found on May 22nd um, on Interstate 10 in Buckeye, Arizona, and still to this day has not been found um, or, excuse me, has not had any type of uh, witnesses come forward to the whereabouts of what happened to her daughter. So I was on the line with uh, Sharika. Sharika, are you back with us now? Um, She is not at this time. Okay. So we're on the line with uh, her sister, Kai. Um, Kai, if you want to speak with us about um, your sister, Anaya, and, and I know there were some things that you wanted to touch base upon uh, when me and your mom was talking. Yes. Um. I basically wanted to touch base on um, my mother was speaking last about the San Bernardino situation when my sister used my identity to, um, you know, be arrested. Um, I actually ended up filing a report against um, the arresting officer. Mm -hmm. Um, I filed a complaint uh, just saying that he did not follow his correct procedures that they um that she or he should have um and once i filed that report i basically got a lot of around from the san bernardino department i constantly was explaining to them like i don't live in the area the original person who um told me to file this complaint told me since i don't live with you guys you guys have to file it on the i don't live um, in california you will have to file it on the phone um they constantly wanted to say well you have to come into the precinct to file it um, and try to hang up on me. So I was constantly calling back. I called them like, I believe maybe 30 times that first week afterwards, because I was getting a lot of running around, hanging up or coming to the precinct to file your complaint. Um, until finally I was able to file the complaint. And once I did, 
Um, I didn't receive any word back for months and months. And I called and I would call about it and I wouldn't receive anything back. Um, but about three months later, I got a notice uh, saying that the officer uh, who arrested my sister followed the correct procedures when doing the arrest. So I received the letter back in, like, I believe, April, and she was arrested in uh, January. Um, but they were like, we're not going to go through with the complaint. Um, the officer that arrested her followed procedures, and we see nothing wrong with what happened here. But clearly, if they had followed procedure, they would have known that this this was not actually you. This was Anaya. Right, right. Um, and that's another thing. I was I was actually very, very upset because, um, like my mother mentioned, I've never had a record, you know, just turned 21. So the things that were on the record, it was kind of like, it was infuriating, embarrassing. It was, um, sure. it was really like, I, I was very angry. So I know I did actually message her and I uh, I told her, like, I, I didn't appreciate how she used my identity. And I know she saw the message um, because it said it was seen, but I she never said anything. Um, and then the next time I reached out to my sister it was around May. But that was around the time that they had found her body. And I never heard words back from her. And I never understood why um, until, you know, June 3rd when they came and told us that they had found her body on the interstate. I just, when I, you know, I, I'm actually sitting here looking at her picture right now and beautiful, beautiful young, young lady. Like it, she reminds me of somebody who's just so vibracious and, you know, I, I don't know her at all, but I'm just looking at her face and what a beautiful smile. Um, Thank you. It just, how has that been for you to, to deal? Like what kind of impact has this had on your, on your family? What kind of impact has this had about your little sister? Um, I honestly, I feel like it's, like my mom said, our family has been in like shambles. Um, my little sister was my best, best, best friend. Like we were very, very close. Um, we had like a relationship that I'm sure a lot of sisters have, but like, I just feel like we were so special. Like we, that was like my yin to my yang. Like, she, um, there was actually a time when she was younger and she got me in trouble because she wrote my name on a wall and she wrote it all over like my mom's envelopes of her bills and stuff. And my mom was like, why are you writing your name everywhere? And I'm like, that's not me. I don't write like that. <laughs> and my mom was like, well, your sister doesn't know how to write. So why are you like, I think she does. Like, cause mom was like, your sister doesn't know how to spell like your name. I'm like, I don't know. I didn't do this mom. So. <laughs> My mom had me write my name a whole bunch of times, like, write your name. And then she had my sister. She was like, you know what? Do you know how to spell your sister's name? And um, she made my sister write my name. And it was my sister wrote my name everywhere in the house. And I was like, this is, that's so crazy. My mom was like, yeah, she watches you that much. Like, she, like, you know, it just, it, that always reminds me how much my sister, like, always, like, looked up to me and, like, loved me. And, you know, like, I, you know, I was really, like, a role model to her. And I don't know, like, it is devastating. It's the most heartbreaking, soul-crushing thing ever, especially because my birthday recently just passed, um, December 31st, and I didn't really have, you know, it was kind of hard because usually Anaya will, like, she's, like, always in the type of tease and pick me, pick at me and, like, oh, it's your birthday when I turned 18. She's like, you think you're grown because it's your 18th <laughs> birthday. Right. Um, and she did the same thing um, 
I felt like she would have did the same thing for my queen first. Uh, and I was like, you know, um, I missed her a lot. One moment. Hello? That was my that was my mom trying to get through, but looks like hold on. Okay, so you know I see here. Mom? Yeah. Hi, Sharika. Okay. Sorry about that. No, it's okay. It's okay. I was sitting. I don't here. know how it ended, but I when, as soon as it ended, I did get a call from the victim's advocate on a nice case, so I I had. Took her call, so my apologies. Really? So is is that a is that a new development happening on yeah, air? So they they asked the so what's going on is that the prosecuting team they've already kind of informed me that in my daughter's sex trafficking case. So there's two things going on there. Of course, there's my daughter's sex trafficking case that still is continuing even though she's dead, um, and then we are. Her, her murder is being investigated. So there's two separate departments. Um, but the victim's advocate on her sex trafficking case contacted me um, to discuss plea offers that were offered to one of the defendants on the case or that will be presented. They wanted to get my opinion on what they wanted to present. They haven't presented it yet. They, they kind of been asking, you know, what I think of the terms and if they're appropriate and, you know, what I think and We've had prior discussions about um, their case um, and where it's going. So that was just an update on okay. uh, a potential plea that they'd like to offer. Okay. So technic- So right now, the people who were charged with sex trafficking of Anaya, they are currently incarcerated at this time. That's correct. God is so good. Both of them or just? Oh, there are currently three defendants. Okay. Um, that have been charged, um, that my daughter's a victim on their cases. Um, and so they're all three, yes, awaiting um, trial and proceedings. Um, and to my knowledge, two have been already provided pleas um, that they haven't accepted, but they've been negotiated. Um and this was prior to my daughter's death as well. Um, some of these pleas came out um, because of COVID kind of hindered some of the, the proceedings oh, that they've had. And they've done some rescheduling. And some of these individuals have also had changes in representation, which pretty much hurts the case over, in my opinion, because they, they have to give that attorney a chance to review all of these key information. So it will hold them, though. It, it won't allow them to go anywhere. It's not like they can say, oh, we're just going to bail out and wait to see what happens. It's going to keep them put, correct? Well, what I'm hoping is that my understanding, um, you know, there's still another witness in this case. Um, I believe they want just to avoid going to trial because obviously they don't want to send her through a trial. Um, they, you know, they don't want to you know, make her have to go through that trauma if it's not needed. Right. Um, and my daughter being dead is, 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 you know, a little bit of an issue, you know, um, in my opinion, for them to prosecute the case to the fullest extent that they could have. Right. Um, so 
here with those potential um you know, and like I said, they were given they were given some opportunities of pleas prior to Amaya's death as well. Um, okay. And so we'll see what happens. Um, I think that because of COVID, we'll see a lot of people um, just kind of getting pleaded out and being released that probably shouldn't. But they're going to be so inundated with trials that no one in Maricopa County has been going to trial. Right. They, and, and and that's the same thing that's happening here. Um in Massachusetts, a lot of cases that, you know, unless it's like exigent circumstances have really been kind of put on hold and pushed back a little bit um, until they can do trials. And then there's like a waiting period in order of what is most of most importance. So I don't know if that's the same thing that's happening there in Arizona, but that's definitely what's happening here in, in, in Massachusetts, the same thing. So I know before we were um, disconnected, I know that we were talking about how the San Bernardino police dropped the ball. And I know I spoke with your daughter, Kai, who, you know, expressed that she attempted to follow reports against this officer who, you know, she felt like he didn't do his job correctly and thoroughly. Um, because if he had, they would have known that it wasn't actually mm-hmm. Kai, that it was actually Anaya. And mm-hmm. she expressed to me that they, you know, um, sent a letter back months later um, stating that they did believe that, you know, the officer did his job, but clearly we know otherwise, because if, if he had, we wouldn't really be having this conversation. That wouldn't be a part of this conversation right now. Um, That's correct. And the entire department is responsible because, you know, um, he actually took her to the police station, you know, you know, at police stations, there's things that have to happen to identify individuals oh absolutely and and i so the whole administrative department they're responsible no one waited for that verification to come back of her identity um and i've right. never seen that before um where it's part of the booking process i mean i'm not yeah. familiar with every single state in in the united states but typically it's part of the process of being booked of being arrested you have to get fingerprinted you have to be identified well, guess what? So when we identified that this happened, you know, being a Manakaya's mother and trying to help her understand how, you know, first of all, she was very upset because her name had been used in such a way. She doesn't have any kind of record. Right. And right. she's just like terrified. And, and you know, I, mean, I have this human resources background and I wanted to help her hurry up and try to clear her name and make sure that this doesn't come up when she's going for employment or job opportunities or going for housing or Correct. what have you. Yep. Um, we discovered that the state of Arizona has an identity theft registry. So apparently this happens quite often in the state of Arizona, or state of California, where yeah. is, um, a lot of people are utilizing other individuals' names and crimes. And so that it happens so much, that there's an identity theft registry. So if you've been a victim, you basically submit your fingerprint to the Department of Justice to get cleared on this registry so that you're flat if someone is, you know, using your name. This is how big of an issue it is. I, I, now, I've never had to investigate this before in any other state or any other situation, but I find it very telling if you guys have a whole registry set up for this. I mean, it's happening a lot. I mean, it, it, it's kind of kind of telling and it's kind of ridiculous. But, right, which makes you so think. So those are the steps that she really has to take to clear and make sure that her name 
not associated with this crime and that it's flag of identity theft. Right. And I, I would definitely, I mean, I don't know if you have an attorney now um, still on this case, but I would definitely, you know, ask that attorney, what are the process and procedures that you would go do going forward to actually remove this from your record? Uh-huh. Because I, I clearly understand what you're saying, um, Kai, you know, when you want to pursue, you know, any type of future professional jobs or, you know, you don't want this type of, you know, uh, situation Uh, on your record. Absolutely not. You know, mm -hmm. and I, that shouldn't be, I mean, I don't know how it is there. I know here in Massachusetts, you would have to just petition the court and provide documentation as to why. And to me, in my mind, that this would clearly be uh, a good enough reason of why you would not want this on your record. So, um, so that was back in January when she was arrested. And Correct. what was the next contact after after that? Was there any other con? Did she reach out back to you guys after in January? I know you were kind of communicating through this Facebook account that you had set up. I never heard from. I never heard from Anaya again from December. That was the only really time that she surfaced to our knowledge. Like, and, and when I say surface, I mean as far as any type of um, state or um, department having custody of her. Um, we did see other movement online. We've seen other postings after January. Right. Um, but we didn't see any, you know, there was not any contact made with her. Um, I had gotten a message um, in like March or April, I think it was, from the Department of Child Protection that, was an email from her caseworker supervisor that Naya had been spotted in it. And I, and I replied, where? Well, who? Who's seen her? They, they were like, we don't know. We don't have any information. Just that she was spotted. It was very vague. And so then Anaya's birthday came. Anaya's birthday is in April, April 21st. You know, we made posts about her birthday, you know, pleading for her to, you know, come home. And um, we didn't hear anything. Um, May passed. You know, we didn't hear anything. I actually made a post on May 19th on my Facebook page. And, and I said, um, I was on my patio listening to jazz. And, and, and I was thinking about Anaya. And I, and I said, Anaya, I haven't given up on you and God hasn't either. And I looked and I knew that my daughter had been watching my page, you know, from her page. Um, you know, would unblock us to see our pages and stuff because there were certain things and I would say to us that we would know she was watching our page, right. you know. Right. And so I wanted her to know that we were thinking, I was thinking about her and I wanted her to come home. And we didn't hear anything. Um, June 3rd, um, 2020, um, I was here in my home and working and I actually was in the back of my home and it's kind of soundproof around here. I don't really hear anybody knocking. I thought I heard someone, but I thought it was next door. And they started knocking really hard, and then my phone rang. rang and the police, and they said, um, they said, Ms. Ryan, this is the Buckeye Police Department. We're outside your house. We want to speak to you about your daughter. And I, and I, and I kind of like ran to the door because I thought I had heard someone knocking, but I don't really answer when people knocking at it. If anything, I thought it was a delivery or next door. 
So when I got to the door, they it was two police officers when they said, um, they said, ma'am, um, we're here to talk to you about your daughter, Anaya. I said, yeah, where is she? I said, did you guys find her? They said, um, yeah, ma'am, we're here to talk to you about her. I said, okay, where's she at? And he said, ma'am, can we come inside? Oh. And I said, um, I said, yeah. I said, where's she? I said, but where is she? I said, where is she at? And one of the officers, his name is Officer A. Delgado, he just kind of like looked down. And I said, wait a minute. I said, I said, where's my, I said, wait a minute. Where? I said, you better not be the homicide police. And he said, ma'am. I said, is my daughter alive? And he said, ma'am. I said, is my daughter alive? I said, ma'am, no, she's not. And I just fell. I just fell right in the, in the center of my door. And he said, ma'am, now can we come in and talk to you? Right. And when I said, yeah, and they came in, I said, where is my daughter? He said, how did she die? He said, they think it was a car accident. I said, well, where? I said, when? You know, they said, well, they said, well, her body was found May 22nd. I said, what? May 22nd? Why, why are you all here now? Why, why are you just coming now? Right. You know, where have you been? Where has she been? And he said, ma'am, um, he said, ma'am, we had her May 22nd. We couldn't identify her. The coroner just identified her this morning. Oh. And I said, where is she? I said, I don't believe you. I said, you don't know my daughter. I said, how do you know? I said, I haven't identified the body. I was in complete denial. He said, ma'am, we identified her through fingerprints. I said, no, I haven't identified her. You don't know. I said, you don't know. I said, I haven't. I said, take me to her. And he said, um, ma'am, no, we, you know, um, you can call the corner. They, they gave me their car. They stayed here with me for a while until my husband came. And, right. and um, they gave me their card, and they told me that Anaya had been found on I-10 um, in Buckeye, Arizona, on Watson Road in the median. And that she was found no phone, no shoes, just wearing, and I don't even know what it is because it's an evidence and they, I've never seen a picture of it or anything, but they, it hasn't been clarified if it was a t-shirt or a nightgown, but right. something of like a green dress. They don't, they can't identify if it's a dress, a nightgown or a t-shirt, but it was something green and looked like a wig nearby. And they think that she possibly had been hit. Um, and that she had blunt um, force trauma to her lower extremity of her body. Right. And so I wanted to go see the body, but the Arizona, they don't allow you to go to view the body unless they cannot identify the body. Then that's when they allow you to identify come in and say whether or not this person is, you know, related to you. And they also ask you for DNA. But 
what had happened unbeknownst to me at the time was that they had, like you said, identified Anaya through fingerprints. But Anaya was so badly decomposed that Anaya's hands they had to be removed and put in a rehydration system in order to pull her fingerprints. Oh. Out here in Arizona, it gets it, it's like 120 degrees every day. Right. They believe Anaya probably had been out there like 24 to 48 hours, but that the heat could cause the body to decompose that, that quickly, we, we will never know. Um, her, her cause of death, well, I won't say never know, I pray to God we, ha- we find out. Her cause of death has been listed as undetermined, but they believe that she was hit by a vehicle or possibly thrown from a vehicle right. um, because of the lower extremity damage to her body and the, the blunt force trauma to her body. I believe I don't believe my daughter was walking. My daughter, at the very beginning of this call, I told you that my daughter was very intelligent, very articulate, very smart, studying DNA patients. My daughter was a lot of things. She was rebellious. She was smart. She was funny. But she was not stupid. And I can't imagine for any reason whatsoever that my daughter would have been walking on the expressway on May 22nd or any day between or before or what have you without any shoes on in the heat. It, 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 not only is it not really possible in right. Arizona, right. You, would, you just wouldn't do it. You wouldn't even move like two inches on your concrete you without know, you any just, shoes on. You just brought me back to even here in, in Massachusetts in the summertime. It the ground is way too hot, uh-huh. and this is all the way up way. north, uh-huh. and we never reach a hundred and ten degrees. I mean, if anything, ninety nine degrees, and that's probably on the hottest day ever. And it's too hot to do that to walk uh-huh. barefoot. So when you right. said that, I just thought in my mind, that's like almost physically impossible. Right, nobody could do that. And yeah. The other part of that for me as a mother that's very disturbing is um, a couple of things. Well, that is number one. My daughter wouldn't have just been walking on the expressway. Um, number two, no clothes, no, no, very little clothing, no shoes. I can't imagine that. No phone. That's not my daughter. This is this is what I've said in the, beach, the whole time as well. Once they did give Anaya the freedom to have a phone, Anaya had a phone. Right. She had a pouch that she carried all the time. Her pouch. Her lips gloss, her phone, like every other teenager. So typical teen, you know. Yep. Um, with the all phone, the accessories. The yep. Yeah, all the accessories. Why didn't she have any of that? My daughter, a mall uh, about two and a half years ago, and they bought themselves sister necklaces. They each have one, and it, and they they match. And my daughter, every photo you see of Anaya, even on her. Instagram, even after she ran away, you see my daughter with this necklace on. Police told me, don't, no necklace. You know, um, my daughter wore this necklace every day, all day. She didn't have to take this necklace off. Um, she wasn't found with any of her stuff. They never found, they don't have the phone. You know what I mean? And I, I would like to believe that my daughter seen my post on May 19th. 
and she was she was on her way home. I would like to believe that right. she had enough, and that somebody didn't let her make it. You know, um, I strongly believe that, and and it, it hurts me and it bothers me so. And I, you know, I feel responsible. I hold her father responsible. I hold DCS responsible. I hold San Bernardino police responsible. I feel like I did not do enough. And even more to add assault to injury, you know, you have very ignorant people who, like these men who are on trial, their families, they, they've tried to, to to protect their families that are on trial and to side with them. Ugh. But they've done so much as to smear these girls' names who were involved in this sex trafficking and say, oh, they wanted to prostitute. They wanted this. They Ugh. told this like, as if a... 12, 13, 14 year old child can consent to sex, sexual activity. <laughs> These are children. And want to be sex trafficked. These are children. Right. These are children. That's right. That's and, the facts. You know, on top of that, mirroring my daughter's name. On top of that, the, um, the, the idea that, oh, when they read about a minor at first glance, Oh, this is a child that was in child protection. They automatically think, oh, well, maybe her parents were neglectful and they didn't take care of her. She ended up in the system. They were probably on drugs or, you know, all of these things that was not a nice story. And that I find myself protecting and her honor and her name and who she was. Right. right. And also protecting who we were as parents and who we were as her family. These children are cared for. They're not thrown away. They're not trash. I say it all the time. My daughter was not trash. That's right. That's right. She had two parents and a family who loved her and tried to do the absolute best for her. And that's what we do as moms. That's what we do as parents is to do what we think is best for them. And that's either reaching out for help or like you reached out to her father for help or you reached out, you know, to these or hoping that these different institutions would be able to provide some type of help. And mm-hmm. the fact is they didn't provide the help. And the fact is. As a mother, I went through so much. Right. You know, I had my two children at home. I was working for a company that at the beginning, they, you know. Of course, my daughter's having contact issues in school. I'm being called from work to go to the school. I'm having all these problems. This company ended up laying me off. And um, they were, you think you should focus on your daughter and just all of these things, right? Fast forward, I worked for this company. I used to work 80-hour work weeks for this company. And I used to say, well, I think her phone may have disconnected again. Her phone have disconnected again? Yeah, she lives, like I said, she lives in the mountains. And she is calling back one moment. Yeah, she lives in the mountains, so sometimes her connection drops a little bit. Yeah, I'm sure. Sorry I, about I, that. No, it's okay. It's, it's okay. I, um, it's totally understandable. I was going to say to you is a lot of times that I find um, people are so quick to point a finger or these institutions are so quick to drop the ball and look the other way because they don't want to accept or take accountability for for their uh, competent incompetency. 
They don't want to say, well, we as a department, we failed because we, we did not provide the proper resources for you and your family. We did not look further into this or we did not, you know, take your concerns as a, as a parent uh, more seriously or we didn't listen to what you had to say because we thought we knew what was best. And I find that that happens a lot. And what I say to, you know, a lot of parents out there, whether they're dealing specifically with DCF or, you know, whatever the case may be is do not allow these institutions that, you know, demonize us as parents or try to infringe on our rights, try to make you feel any less than a parent than, than that you are, because it's so quick for them to do that. And it's like another tactic to break us down even more or to take away all that we are or that all that we stand for because you do not want to accept accountability. So you're going to try to break me down. And, you know, I don't know you at all, but I'm mom. And I know when I talk to another mom that has love in her heart for her child, you, it's, it's, you can feel it. You can sense it. You can, I can hear it in your voice. I can, you know, hear it in, in your demeanor, um, that you loved Anaya and you always wanted what was best for her. And, um, I, I just, I say that to every mom, you know, that I speak to because, you know, it, it kind of enrages me something inside of me when, I find that these institutions kind of make us question ourselves or question our love for our children. One is like, no, I didn't do anything wrong. You failed. You, you, this is what you did. I reached out. I did what I was supposed to do as a mom. And because your inability to do what you're supposed to do, look where we are. So that's what I like to remind a lot of moms. I don't ever want you to feel that this was something that, you know, you failed to do. You did everything that you could do or that they allowed you to do. So Right. And I want to say this about the department as well. So now, like, they got involved. They didn't help. Everything went yep. downhill after right. they got involved. Now that my daughter's scary, who do you think is left holding the torch? Do you think the department is still representing my daughter right now? No, I'm on this call with you. There's no one left standing as her voice. Right. Who set up justice for an Iowa Walker Foundation? My my daughter and myself. Um, right. um, and who is making sure that she's going to get justice on a sex trafficking case? There's not one caseworker right. who stood in right. and who put all of these hindrances up and or, or judge or whomever that was involved that is now still carrying the torch and trying to hold and make sure that she gets justice. And that's just the very problem. They spent so much time alienating me from the case, um, um, infringing on my rights, right. um, allowing my daughter to um, really aiding her in some of her behavior yep. um, and some of these conducts. Allowing a that, child who is suffering from trauma and all these uh-huh. other issues to make adult decisions. She is not an adult. Correct. She's a child. That's the uh-huh. point. And never understanding that they, they kept saying, well, the best interest for the child, but always allowing the child to make the decisions. And I kept saying, well, children are incapable of making logical decisions for themselves. Yep. Especially, like you said, going to trauma or even being aware of what that means long term. And what the consequences sometimes there are or of those decisions. As I stated to you, I try to let my daughter know what she would be up against before this even took a roller coaster for a change. But I said that to say, 
um, it's very difficult. And I've, I've now had to think about that every day. Um, you know, I have two whiteboards in my room and I'm trying to follow Anaya's case, trying to make sure she gets justice in her murder case as well as her sex trafficking case. But none of those people are around. Anaya had a very large team from BCS. It was like 12 people on her team or more. Um, especially after the sex trafficking, they added all type of sex trafficking councils and guardian ad litems and all these different people. No one is around now. Oh. No one was around, you know, at the funeral. Um, you know, they actually asked if they come to the funeral. I, I told them no. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Right. And now I kind of regret not letting them come because they should have seen the aftermath of their decision. Right, right. Or the one that they failed to allow me to make. As her mom. Or the one that they didn't listen to. Correct, yeah. Uh, But at the time, I was just so angry. And I was like, no, you all had her. And and towards the end of her life, and I'm going to have this moment as my family moment. Right. That's how I was thinking at that time. But later on down the line, I said, you know what? I should have let every single one of them come. They could have seen And now, you know, what we found out is that there are more than 267 children who are in DCS custody of Maricopa County who are missing. Right. And I actually was doing some research and Arizona alone is the high on the highest right below California of the most missing and exploded children and sex trafficking specifically in Arizona. Correct. Now, it's scary when 267 children, prior to my daughter being in, in DCS, I have seen a story on the news about um, Department of Children and Family Services here in Arizona. They were on the news for having more than 4,600 cases that had went uninvestigated. Okay? Mm-hmm. So then fast forward to my daughter being in their custody and me going back and forth with some of their Supervisors and caseworkers, and I let them know. Look, I know you guys are inundated. There's no reason to tell me what's going on with my daughter when you guys have 4,600 cases that have went uninvestigated. You have no clue what's going. On. I used to sit in front of those caseworkers; they didn't even know who I was. They would look dead, and they would they would stand knee to knee to me and say, "Hi, I'm calling for the case of the Grimes." I was like, "I'm right here." I told my daughter, "I said they have no idea who we are. Right. We're just another case, and they don't have their understaffed." They're not able to make the decisions that they're, they're making. Um, and it's, it's more so ripping families apart than, than reunifying them or bringing them together. And so when you have 267 kids missing, my question is now, how many have ended up dead? Right. Right. And or I, disappeared. You know, we have an attorney and we're, well, we, well, there are 267 that are in the state custody that are missing right now. Now, how many of them have ended up dead? That's what what number we're trying to capture now. Anaya is one that I know for sure. I plan to find out before the end of this year of those 267 missing, how many have ended up dead. Or since 2017, when she entered the system, how many missing total and how many have ended up dead? Right. I I think the part that kind of strikes me as even more kind of puzzling is that they knew that what had happened with Anaya and that she wasn't just a a regular 
case, meaning she had endured the sex trafficking. And I just feel like that type of situation should have been dealt with differently. I just felt like you cannot address this situation like you do every other situation. And maybe that's just the point. You can't really address every situation with a cookie cutter type of uh, resolution that every child, every situation is different. And they should have definitely dealt with it differently from the beginning. That's what I feel like. Um, Yeah. Especially given the fact of what she had endured and, you know, Sticking her back in those homes and things like that, they they should have really pushed um, for her to be with her family, for her to be with the people who who love her the most, who knew her the most. Because clearly, right. those other institutions, other group homes, and others, she kept running away from. Clearly, yeah. there was something there that was lacking, and that that they could not provide. So they could, they should have. What they should have did was look back at you and say, "Okay, mom, what do you think? How can we assist you?" With her. That's and what that's should have happened. They, they looked back at me and you know what they said? They said, okay, mom, how can you change your parenting behavior? That's what they said to me. How can you do what? I'm and sorry? I said, they said, how can you change your parenting behavior? What? That's what they said to me. And I said to them as a response, I said, hmm. I said, Adrian and I, um, I said, I have a daughter. And Nakaya has now turned 18. I said, I raised her successfully. She's 18. She went through high school. She graduated. I accepted to college. I, you know, she, she's doing totally fine. I said, so therefore that, that tells me that the rules and the structure that I have in my home can work. That's right. Um, That's right. And that there's nothing wrong with my parenting styles and my parenting um, strategies. I said, one thing that has to be communicated and that you all cannot do is have the child under the pretense that laws and norms will change to appease them. No, I said, exactly. if I change my laws and That's my right. structure and my rules in my home, she'll grow up with a preconceived notion that that's the way life is. And that's just not true. I said, there's no laws in society that are going to change to, struct- to go around her behavior. Right, or so you're like it. It's asinine to ask that of me to change my, 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 my parenting strategies in my home. Anaya's not going to have her way in my home. It's not going to happen. She's going to have to do, obey certain rules. She's going to have to, and really, you know, they asked my daughter, they asked my other daughter, and I allow her to elaborate on what they asked her about my parenting and about my structure and what was punishment for my children in my home. Um, so Nakaya, I'll let you, I'll let her tell you about that. Hello? Nakaya? Oh, so that's okay. So what, I mean, we talked about that she has two different, um, cases going on. She has the, the sex trafficking case and the murder investigation. So thank God that these things are still being investigated, correct? We have two separate yeah. investigations going on and it's currently still happening. So that, that God is good in that aspect. Um, right. That there will, in his grace, be be some justice for Anaya, whether it's through the sex trafficking or, th- or through the murder. Now, as far as the murder investigation, have you heard any new uh, developments on that? Um, outside of, the detective contacted me 
um, that's assigned to her, her case, you know, he, he, he's not able to share very much with me because it's still under investigation. Okay. But I, I do contact him. Okay. Um, like once a month or every couple of weeks or when days come up that I was thinking about Anaya, like recently, the last okay. time I spoke to Anaya, I was thinking about her. I contacted him. Right. Um, we've had some engagements where he, I, and the prosecutors that are on her sex trafficking case, and we've been able to all talk collectively just about sex trafficking in Arizona. So I, I do keep contact with him. Okay. As far good. as the development, the only thing that I've heard recently is that he was successful with reaching out to several people that have, you know, spoken with Anaya in her past. Okay. That have, you know, spent time with her. Um, they had issued um, some subpoenas and was able to get some evidence that they, they were waiting on and that they were Good. needing. Okay. Um, and then in addition to that, he, he did reach out and let me know that um, basically he said, you know, your daughter's case is taking me places I can't go as an Arizona detective. I we're bringing in the home Department of Homeland Security Good. because you know there's evidence from um, you know adjoining states, right? Um, and they will go in and investigate at a federal level, right? That is the sex trafficking piece. He did say that you know it still stands as you know her body was found in Cal in here in Arizona. He's still investigating the murder. But there are pieces that is being picked up by the Department of Homeland Security. Okay. So okay. that was very good news for me and exciting right. because I want the case to get as much exposure as it can. That's and right. That's I right. know that federal departments have access to certain databases and, you know, just have more resources. So I I was excited to hear that and that another set of eyes would be on it. You never know. Um, the more the merrier for me in this situation. Like, let's get everybody involved that can do it. Another aspect, it's a sex trafficking piece. Um, and there is a girl out there, or several, there are plenty that want to come home. Right. Um, and I'm hoping, I'm hoping that my daughter's case investigate leads to, to some other girls being able to go home. Right. Because, yes, Anaya, she was in a state of rebellion. I believe there was plenty of nights she wanted to come home. And I believe she was on her way home. And I'm hoping that, you know, even though my daughter didn't make it home, I'm hoping that their investigation will lead to many other children getting home. So what do you what do you have to say to all the moms out there, to anyone out there who's who's going to be listening, who who is listening uh, to this show? And right now they're missing their daughter or they're missing, you know, their loved one. What advice do you have to that mom, to to that loved that loved one? Um. So first and foremost, my advice, I want to say to you that um, there there is someone that understands what you're going through uh -huh. with the rebellion, with, with, with your child maybe being missing or with you having an estranged relationship, whatever it may be. Someone does understand and someone else is going through. When, when I was going through this, to me, I felt like this is new. Like, um... I just felt like I never known kids, especially African American kids or black kids, to go through this kind of conduct behaviors and stuff. Um, I, I was to me, it was it was a little shocking. But the children that, so I want to say first and foremost, hold on and pray, and don't be afraid to ask people um, to pray for you and ask people for help that are around you. Don't be afraid to um, 
to spend more time with your children, seeking counseling and, and just paying more attention and being more um, aware of what's going on with them. Right. Um, because sometimes I look back and I think about the situations where I was being bullied um, and, and the school. And as I was mentioning to you, I was working, I was very busy. I worked 80 hour work week. Right. I wish, and later on, that, that, that same company laid me off and said, go take care of your daughter. And this is well after my daughter has gotten taken by DCS. I wish I would have taken the time then to take care of my daughter and pay attention and 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 focus because that was really what's important. I don't have any of that now. I don't have, I'm doing a different job. I don't, you know what I mean? So it was not that I ever chose it over her, but it was that it was the balance that I was having a problem with. It was the understanding exactly what to do. I just didn't know. I didn't have any resources. I thought that bringing in the other parental unit would help. Right. But looking back, I would 100% drop all of those things and just 100% try to focus on what's going on with my kid. I'd stay very aware of, of, of these internet apps, internet security, okay. um, um, Wi-Fi passwords in your home doing those checkups on any type of devices that they have. And again, like I said, I didn't really allow her to have it, but just being aware of a, as a parent that um, the one that you are aware of, there's about three more to each one that you're not aware of. Right. Um, right. I told you. <laughs> logging into and signing up for um, and having access to. I also want to say to the mom, my daughter was traveling by Greyhound and I didn't know that until she died. Go to the Greyhound station. Take your children's mm-hmm. pictures to the Greyhound station. Greyhound has offered to give runaway teens free bus tickets. And, and and I think, and I remember posting that before. And I think my daughter's seen it. And I think, now that I've looked back, I think she may have been using it to her advantage. She may have been always telling them she was coming home and she wasn't. And just getting tickets to different places. I don't know, just a speculation. Right. But I know that these sex trafficked teens travel that way. They utilize Greyhound. They put these children on the Greyhound. Wow. Go to the Greyhound. Circulate your child's picture. Go to the bus stop. Go to the strip club. Circulate your child's picture among the hotels that are in the neighborhood that you don't want to go. I'm just going to be honest with you. Right. Now, I know there's a $10,000 reward um, for any type of information for Anaya. Is that... Is that- There's a $10,000 reward leading to the arrest of who's responsible for Anaya's death. Right. Yeah. I just want to clarify. Of course. <laughs> the arrest. Yeah. But yes, it is. And- We're hoping to get more um, raised in the future through her foundation um, to go towards that reward and also go towards helping other um, sex trafficking. Now tell, now tell us about this foundation and how can anyone out there listening can find it and donate to this foundation? Well, right now we're still in some setup phases, but we went ahead and set up Justice for Anaya Walker Foundation. Okay. And um, what we aim to do is educate um, girls on um, just services that they can get for counseling, um, we want to educate teens uh, and parents as well, like I just said, about um, different ways that you can probably go about locating your teen right. or lo- or helping an individual that has been sex trafficked. Um, our, our foundation is based on awareness. 
Okay. Um, and we also want to um, keep Anaya's memory alive for the foundation. Um, so there will be opportunities for um, if people want to purchase Justice for Anaya t-shirts or decals, um, that will, all the proceeds will go towards the foundation. And that we can give out things like care bags um, and provide meals to the homeless. So those are some of the things that we'll be doing um, in honor of Anaya and that we've already done. Okay. Um, and that we'll continue to do. Now, how can they find this foundation? Is there a website that they can go to, or is there a Facebook page, or what? what is the information on that? Yeah, I will have my daughter give you that those details um, as soon as she can get available. Or if not, so she's listening on the call now, but I can have yeah. her okay. give you and, all of those links and things. And if anyone so has the, it, uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Sorry. So the website... Uh, Right now, I'm still um, working on like the, what we want to put on the website exactly. Okay. Um, but I will send you the link um, so that you can have the website up. Perfect. Uh, once you post your uh, podcast, so once this goes up, the website should be up by then. Um, but other than that, I know we're also going to be focusing on, I believe, a petition um, just to circulate the story a little bit more. Um, people know a little bit more about Anaya as well, and just to you know, bring awareness to the foundation and what we're trying to do with an eye of name. Absolutely. And if anyone has any information um, in regards to her murder, uh, who should they contact? Should they contact the Buckeye Police Department? Yes, they should contact the Buckeye Police Department of Arizona. Okay. Um, and I and believe- speak with the detectives there. Um, they can also contact Silent Witness um, because her reward is being offered to Silent Witness. And if they have tips and they want to remain anonymous, they can contact Silent Witness and provide those tips and remain anonymous. Many um, people have reached out to us at New Anaya. We we welcome those um, messages and, and those correspondences as well. Um, if you want to send us an email or if you want to, um, you know, get a hold of us and send us any type of messages or tips that you may have about, you know, Anaya, we're willing to take those as well. Cause some people just don't feel comfortable speaking with law enforcement. They want to speak with of the course. family and we, we want to engage with them and embrace that. And, and, and we'd like to thank them in advance for their prayers um, and any support that they're offering. I'm not just to us, but other girls as well. Um, I want to say to everyone listening, um, Prior to my daughter being in a sex trafficking situation, sometimes I would just look at some of the youth in the streets and I think, okay, well, this girl, you know, she, she's out here. She's maybe being fast. We need to scale back and think and maybe ask this young sister, is she okay? Right. Because now I see these girls and I think that she's somebody's daughter. So she need help. Are you, are you okay? Don't be afraid to stop a girl and ask her that she need help. Or give her your phone number or give her something, you know, because at the end of the day, I'm really opening my eyes in a different way. And I give all praise to the most high for it, but I'm looking at these girls now in a different way. And, and these are everyone is all someone's children. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Someone's daughter, someone's sister, somebody's friend, somebody's, somebody's missing that person somewhere. Yes. Yes, and, ma'am. That's correct. And I think, I think, Life's experiences really open our eyes um, to stand up for different things or to change our perception on a lot of different things. Um, 
So hopefully, and it is my hope that through this foundation and through your story, that you that that whoever's listening out there, there's somebody listening out there that this story is going to impact their lives or help them in a way, or um, you never know who's listening and who who this story will touch. And you know, Anaya, her name, you know, she she did not die in vain. That there will be something good that that comes from this, whether it's healing, whether it's you know you're getting others to come forward, whatever the case may be. Um, I, I definitely hope to keep in touch with you. I, I would love to kind of, you know, check in with you to see, you know, how you're doing and, you know, how the case is evolving and, you know, that type of deal. But, um, you know, like I'm looking at her picture right now. And like I said that, you know, to me, she, she could have been my sister. She could have been my daughter. She could have been, you know, my little cousin. And, um, it's just, I, I really hope anyone out there listening that this has touched them in some way and, and that, you know, she's in, she's smiling down in peace and, you know, proud of her mom and her sister, her family who really, you know, stood tall and stood strong when everybody else, you know, fell at the knees, you know, that, that is you two, it's you guys in the end, uh, making uh-huh. sure that justice is served and, and making sure that her name is, is forever remembered. So I, yeah. I, I want to thank you for your bravery for even being on my show and let, and allowing me to share your story with the world. Um, and I, I really want to thank you, Kai, as well, for sharing your story. And um, thank you, for you are so welcome. I will be in touch. We, we, you know, you got, you got a new friend in Massachusetts. I'll tell you that. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate it. I'm glad we have an outlet like this and you're providing this opportunity to families. Um, I just want to say one more thing, which is to the girls that are listening that think they may be brave enough to, to bear this. My daughter, she was so um, headstrong and she thought she was brave. And I used to tell her all the time, and I, I'm trying to save your life. Right. Um, and I want to say this to, she, I, I can read a message where she literally told her dad, I'm alive and that's all that matters. Now I can't pull her out of the grave and show her, look, you're dead. You know what I'm saying? And and there's no one standing for you but your family and people like, you know, that are willing to tell your story. Right. So I want to say to all the girls out there who think that they're strong enough and brave enough, you are strong, you are brave, but there are dangers out there, unbeknownst to you and that you're unaware of and that, that you can get caught up in. And you could be here one day and gone the next. So um, your parents and people, there are people that love you even if it seems hard right now. Right. Um, and I used to always tell Anaya, Anaya, you only got two more years or three more years. Can you just, you know, can you just be a kid? Like, until you're going to be 18, <laughs> then you'll be able to, you know, kind of do have some freedoms that you're looking for. Right. And so I, I just want to say um, to those girls, too, just make sure you get there. Because she didn't get there. She was only 16 for 30 days wow. before she was found dead. Wow. So, um, you leave us with you know, a lot. I mean, I got, I got a 13 year old, so is, you know, it, it, it definitely puts in my mind some of the things that I'm going to have to, you know, be aware of and to pay attention to and do, cause it's, you know, it's real. She's 13 years old and this whole right. technological world is out there and I have to be vigilant of that and, um, paying attention to. So it, these are definitely conversations that are real and that needs to be heard. It needs, needs to be had. You know, you think you think you know everything, and 
you know, our children, they're doing, they know more about this phone and internet stuff than, than we even yeah. know. <laughs> so yes, the toddlers are born with tablets now, like <laughs> exactly. It's a, it's another whole world. But I I, I really want to thank you for coming on our show, and I want to thank all our listeners out there who have tuned in, and and uh, I want to wish you the best uh, with Anaya's story, and we will definitely be in touch. Thank you so much. All right. Have a good evening. God bless. Thank you. Bye. Take care.